0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today.
1: Hey, everybody, it's Van. I hope you're having a relaxing holiday season. As we near the end of the year, I wanted to bring us back to our very first Uncommon Ground conversation with my friend, Chef Jose Andres. Jose shares just incredible wisdom on what it really means to serve your community and how each of us are capable of far more than we usually give ourselves credit for. So as we reflect on how we can strive to give more of ourselves in the new year, I think there's a lot we can learn from Jose. And with that, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chef Jose Andres. Is
2: this America, the land of the free and the home of the brave? Wake up, America, wake up. The political division in the country,
0: undeniably
3: deep right now.
2: The big question on a lot of people's minds, can Americans come together
3: and heal? Because it's not a matter of my liberation. It's also a matter of yours. If you're working, if we're working together, it's not because we're gonna do something for the poor black people, we're gonna do something for each other to save this really rather frightening world.
2: Whatever
0: our differences, we are fellow Americans. And please believe me when I say No association has ever meant more to me than that.
1: I'm Van Jones, and this is Uncommon Ground. Hello and welcome to the very first episode the very first season of Uncommon Ground, and I am glad you are here. I wanted to create this podcast because I wake up pretty much every day. Same as you just worry. Uh, You know, you you look at your phone and immediately it's all bad news. It's all negative stuff. It looks like everything's coming apart and it feels like the planet is falling apart and you can't even have a good conversation any place about it because, you know, everything is so polarized and I think we need some hope. Uh, I, I think we need at least one podcast where people can come together Uh, Get around the campfire, get around the watering hole and find some examples of where people are bridging these divides, where we've got some fresh thinking and some real solutions going. I think you deserve that. And that's what we're going to try to create for you. I think I'm the right guy to bring you this podcast because I need this podcast. I need it for myself. I think, you know, people see me as this TV guy, but I'm really not a TV guy most of the time. Uh, Most of my life, I have spent on the front line of tough causes and tough communities working on tough issues from the hood uh, to Appalachia uh, to Native American reservations to the border. And most of the time, I've been able to find some way through to a good outcome. And whenever that's happened, it's been because of some completely unlikely allies, it's been white folks working with black folks. It's been poor folks working with rich folks. It's been Republicans working with Democrats. It's been every color in a Skittles bag, every Muppet in the Muppet show, getting involved in something and getting a prison closed or getting a bill passed or getting scholarships for kids, making something amazing happen. And I know for sure that the only time good stuff happens is when people get out of their comfort zones, but it's getting harder and harder to do that. And so I really need this podcast just as much as you do. That is the purpose of this uncommon ground. In other words, no matter how tough things look, there's always some hope. There's always some possibility. There's always some place where different interests overlap with each other. And I'm not mad about disagreement. The problem is disrespect that leads to distrust, that leads to disunity on everything. And then nothing good can get done but I've never met a single person I couldn't find at least one thing in common with. And there's never been an issue or a cause that I've been able to identify that at some point it doesn't touch the interest of the person who supposedly is on the other side. So that little sliver, that little overlap is where all the miracles happen. It's where all the magic happens. That is what I call uncommon ground. And this podcast is designed to lift that up. And I am so glad we're starting out together.
0: whenever you're feeling like
1: overwhelmed by bad news or bad times you know the best advice that i've ever gotten is is simply this look for the people who are helping and then help them there's always somebody helping look for them and then help them and today we're going to talk to somebody who's helping people on literally a global scale it's my good friend chef jose andres Uh, he's a celebrity chef he owns like 30 restaurants in the united states but he's probably best known as the humanitarian who's created something called the World Central Kitchen. This is an amazing not-for-profit organization. They feed hungry people and communities and support local restaurants doing it. But most importantly, he is providing emergency food relief wherever people need food, which means he himself physically goes into disaster zones where there's been earthquakes, floods, fires, and he nourishes people himself Who might starve to death without immediate help. That's helping people, okay? And that's why Jeff Bezos decided to give him the $100 million Courage and Civility Award. Now, it's the same award that I got, so we're both in this together. And that's a big reason I wanted to talk with him very early in this podcast series, because the point of this podcast is to bridge divides and get real stuff done. And Jose does that on a spectacular scale all the time. So as we are trying to learn how to bridge divides, we need some inspiration. We need some role models. We need some heroes who are actually getting it done every day. And that is Chef Jose Andres to the Chi. Please take a listen to my conversation with my good friend Chef Jose Andres.
3: Ah uh, my dear friend Man Jones. I am Jose Andres. My real name is Jose Ramón Andrés Puerta. But Jose Andrés, I think, was a much more quicker, faster, uh, artistic name. I always say I am a cocinero. I am a cook. Cocinero is the word in Spanish, which I am fascinated by. Because being a cook, it's very clear who you are. You gather the ingredients. You gather the people you need to cook for. The mission is obvious. You must cook and you must feed.
1: I think that's a great start. You, you are you are a cook. You are if there is a chef in the world, you are a, also a chef. I think most people know you because of the World Central Kitchen, which is your effort to bring food and hope and help and healing to disaster zones, to places where most people don't go. I mean, look, most celebrity chefs, if there was a disaster, maybe they write a check. Right? They say, who do I write the check to? I'm going to send a check. You send yourself. You show up yourself. What in your upbringing made that seem like it would be a smart thing for you to do?
3: You and I, all of us, we are the sum of people we know that touch our lives. My mom was a nurse. My father was a nurse. I spent a lot of time in hospitals. I saw those nurses, those doctors going beyond duty, reading a book to a child without the family yet in the hospital or taking for a walk, an elderly woman, random moments of empathy that we don't seem to ever notice, but that the world is full of them. And that's what keeps carrying carrying the world forward, every corner in America and around the world. So very early on, my father always loved to cook, my mom too, but my mom was an, an amazing cook at the end of the month. You know when the refrigerator is empty? I remember days that the refrigerator in my house was empty. Why? Because my father and mother were waiting for the next paycheck. My mom would use anything was left. I don't remember any dish about the beginning of the month when my refrigerator will be full of meat and fish. I only remember the dishes at the end of the month where my mom was making sure that nothing would go waste. So all of those things give me a sense of, of food was important. Food was always essential. And my dad on weekends, man. He will cook for everybody. He will make this very big paella. is this very big pot. My mother was always worried because my father will invite everybody. And we never knew if 10 people will show up of 50. And my father always asked my told my mom, don't worry. If more people show up, it's a very simple solution we will only add more rice to the pen.
1: Well, you know, you've been taking these childhood lessons into some of the most difficult circumstances. You know, this idea that that food matters, that people matter, and that more people come, you can figure out a way to feed even more. I still am just like everybody else, just awestruck at your ability to get into these places. For me, when I see a problem, uh, I run to Congress. You know, I, I run I run to, to the, the state house. You run into the fire. Uh, you run into the actual situation. You are on the ground where people are hurting. And you usually beat the Red Cross. You beat FEMA. You get there first. Why is it so important for you to be there and to be present, not just to send a check or to send staff or for you to go yourself? Why is that so important to you?
3: Well, for me, obviously, moments in the past that I watch in the comfort of my kitchen or my home, moments of suffering, that began building in me this flame of saying, how is possible that in the Superdome, in Katrina, we had during days, men and women forgotten, and nobody taking care of them, at the very least with food and water. If you think about it, that's why now World Central Kitchen, we often use arenas and baseball stadiums to feed people in America and around the world. If you think about it, everybody thinks that a big arena is a place that you go to watch music or basketball games. Right. And a sports or music venue and everybody's so wrong. I always tell everybody an arena, a stadium is a gigantic restaurant that entertains with the sports and music. Mm. So under that- That's great. Logic man. is no way. We will leave anymore anybody hungry again in an emergency, especially when randomly happens, that place becomes the shelter. You know, while World Central Kitchen was founded over 11 years ago after the earthquake in Haiti, I began, I will say, hands on my, my volunteerism in, in, in food and food organizations back in 1993, mm. when I arrived to Washington DC and I met a man called Robert Egger. He founded DC Central Kitchen over 35 years ago. Everybody was talking, Ben, about food waste. And sometimes all the conversation is about food waste, wasting food. Robert was the guy that said, hey, why we start talking about wasting people? Because mm. what's really important is that we don't waste people. And more important, that we give people that opportunity to belong yes robert told me that philanthropy always seems has been about the, the redemption of the giver when charity and philanthropy must be about the liberation of the receiver doing good is not enough man mm-hmm. we must do a smart good we need to stop throwing money at the problem and start investing into solutions With all these lessons, why I began going to hurricanes and earthquakes? Because I felt that the talent that my father, my mother, and God has given me with these two hands, a little bit of heart, a little bit of brain, if I could feed people in the good times, why I cannot put that talent to serve people in the not so good times? So that's why I go, because it's the moment our fellow citizens needs us to show up.
1: I just love the way that you see stuff. Like, you are correct, a, a big arena, to your point. Uh, it is a big restaurant. Nobody goes there and sits there with no food for three hours during the concert or during the sport. But everybody's eating the whole time. But I never thought about the fact that those things are designed to feed people at scale. You have this unbelievable ability to kind of see the possibility. You know, for me, Hurricane Katrina, which you mentioned That was a big, devastating moment for me as well. And I also changed my life. I I helped to start an organization called colorofchange.org to respond. But again, we were responding to push politics. We were trying to make Congress act better. We're trying to make lawmakers act better. You're trying to make people act better. And what is it about, you know, it seems like a local crisis can sometimes bring out good in people. But then we have these global crises that seem to bring out bad in people. What do the people, when you talk about the global crisis of, of COVID and climate change, all these big disasters that are coming and coming and coming, what do you wish that the people who are dealing with those big global disasters would learn from the people who are so beautifully dealing with these local disasters?
3: That's a deep, uh, a deep question. Listen, I always tell people that some of the very big problems, they have very simple solutions, and that uh, uh, food and water is very simple to see. The urgency of now in terms of water, water and food is yesterday. Every day you wait is one day people are suffering, mm-hmm. uh, especially after hurricanes with a lot of heat. Water is not only essential, but is every second we wait not bringing water to those men and women, we are putting lives at risk. So what we try to do, obviously as organization, we're still very small. World Central Kitchen has, uh, I think 50, 60, people only on payroll. And look, at wow. we responded in Haiti, close to 20, 25,000 meals a day, probably more. We responded in New Orleans at the same time. Uh, we've, I think, reached over 35, 40,000 meals a day. We are only able to do this with locals. We come from the outside because we need to be coming with the coolness and the support that outsiders can bring but outsiders will never be as successful if it was not for the help of the people that know best, which are the locals. I remember Lebanon. We were able to respond within 12 hours to the big explosion that destroyed that big part of Beirut. Why we were able to respond in 12 hours? Well, because we had already ex-volunteers that were Lebanese and were in Beirut, but because the local restaurants, they wanted to activate with us, We put 10 restaurants around the circle surrounding the explosion. Within one day, we were doing close to 20,000 meals a day from firefighters to volunteers to hospitals, etc. So you see, we are not trying just to say we know better. I know that when FEMA, the men and women of FEMA are good people. It's only like sometimes the the red tape that big government agencies have Are not in the business of solving the problems of the people today. And this is some of the problems. We only need to redefine the meaning of emergency. Uh, That's the only thing uh, I keep asking everybody. Do you ever feel like you're
0: settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation At Amazon.com slash instant eraser foundation. On the Nintendo Switch system, you can team up with friends in Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Where you can meet talking flowers. Life's full of surprises. And where piranha plants sing. <laughs> And where Mario, Luigi, and Peach turn into elephants. Wowie, it's Sally! And where this announcer turns into a...
2: Super tiny
0: announcer! (laughs) That's not in the game. Sorry, got a little excited. Nintendo Switch, the home of Mario and friends. Game rated E for everyone. Game and system sold separately.
1: I want to move on in a second to this. uh, The money, you can see now why Jeff Bezos wants you to, to have a rocket ship of money behind you. Uh, but I think your secret ingredient, kind of like with stone soup, you know, that, that story of where, you know, the, the person shows up and nobody wants to feed him. So he puts a big bowl of water and starts so boiling the water. He puts one stone in there. People say, hey, what are you doing? And, and everybody, well, I'm making some stone soup. But if I had some carrots, if I had some uh, celery, whatever. So eventually everybody puts their food in that big boiling pot and it's the best meal that anybody's ever had. I think the stone in your stone soup is joy and hope. You're not just bringing the physical atoms and molecules of nutritious food. You're bringing something else. You're bringing a spirit, you're bringing joy. How do you maintain this energy and this enthusiasm and this love and the fun that you have in the middle of all this bad stuff that you see? (laughs)
3: Listen, obviously I I have a wife that uh, I don't deserve. She's, She's my rock and she likes to be always uh, on the sidelines and behind everything. But without her, I wouldn't have the the support at every level that I need to do what I do. My my little drop of water in this ocean of need. But I think her and my daughters is one of the reasons, right? Watching how they they get involved um, uh, gives me joy. And I do believe it's very important that we all do a little bit more to really understand the world we live in. Because I do believe the the, the American dream is real, but I think we need to change it. We need to call it the new American dream. And the new American dream must be that you are looking to provide for others you don't know the same thing you're looking to provide for your own. We are talking about walls, and I know this is becoming very political, but we all need to be more pragmatic. I can put my daughters behind walls and trying to think I'm protecting them but then they're gonna be no in sync of what's really happening around those walls, outside those walls. And one day those walls eventually will come down. If I'm gonna be protecting my daughters because I'm a a dad that want my daughters to do well, I do believe I need not to build higher walls, but to build longer tables. If others do well, my daughters will always be protected. And that's what I believe, is the America I believe. And this to me essentially is what keeps me going. Wow. Protecting my daughters means I protect my it means my community's doing better, my city's doing better. Others I don't know are doing better. That's what we all need to be finding common ground and working working together towards that.
1: Well, I I love what, what you're saying and you said getting a little bit political. I mean in some ways that's the opposite of maybe the vision that Donald Trump and some of the more nationalist forces have. They, you know, they say, you know, build a wall, build a wall. You say, not higher walls, longer tables. You know, I was willing to work with uh, the Trump administration to get things done for people behind bars, et cetera. Took a lot of flack for that. You, you had a different relationship with the, with the Trump administration. So we're both seeking common ground. Everybody has their different lines and, and their barriers. W- where do you draw the line about who you would and wouldn't work with? And, and, and what's, what's your view in terms of working with people who are politically different?
3: Listen, I was uh, talking through the three, four years of the Trump administration with the of Trump, especially on issues that had to do with women. Uh, she tried to get herself very involved with World Bank and, and projects around the world that involve women. For me, this has been very important too. But I'm very, very willing to work with everybody if we do it with respect, if we do it uh, with truth. Uh, cannot be that we have 11 million undocumented, many of them Latinos. And I mean Latinos because I'm a Hispanic myself and is the, if anybody I know the most are the Latino population. Even I try to learn about everyone because at the end we are one, we the people. But we cannot be having the very big lie in America. That while we have 11 million undocumented, working our farms, working on delivery, on Ubers, refilling the shelves of our supermarkets, being nannies and taking care of our children all across America in Democrat House, but in Republican homes too. cannot be that one party is just taking over that we don't want immigrants. Ah, you don't want immigrants, but we have 11 million undocumented that without them our cities will not be functioning. This is what I'm not willing to work with. This is what cannot be happening. And this is a call to anybody. Never again you try to to tell me that immigrants they shouldn't be welcome anymore if those 11 million are doing god's work if our hospitals need nurses if our farms need workers if we want america that is productive is many Repo- all republicans and all democrats everybody knows and undocumented and with some of them we even become attached we know is good people the vast majority of them are great people Let's create a better America by giving those 11 million undocumented a place to belong, those over one, two million dreamers that are as American as you and me, a place to belong. At the end of the day, Van, yes, we could argue, you need to have a passport to belong to a country. But what gives you the reason to belong is when you work to make your family better, your community better, and you show up every day and you make America better with your sweat that's how you belong to a country. And I think there's plenty of space on one side and on the other. I have friends on both sides that believe in longer tables the same way I know you believe. So be Republican, be Democrat, but never use me again lies to prove your point. And never, never try to stay in power by bringing the worst demons out of people, but do it by bringing the best angels out of every one of us. I am
1: with Andres, and I endorse this message. <laughs> hey, listen, I, 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 amen, brother. Amen. I'm glad that you said what you said, because it's really not, the division isn't between races. It's not between parties. It's between the politics of the heart. Uh, you can be a conservative with compassion, or you can be a conservative who is, you know, a, a demagogue. You can be a, a Democrat who's very compassionate, or you can be a Democrat that wants to cancel everybody who doesn't agree with you. So I think the key is we can have different politics of the head, but we got to have the same politics of the heart, which is that we're standing up for everybody. And you talk about bringing out good in people. You brought out good in in people, including richest guy in the world, which is Jeff Bezos, who is making a hundred million dollar bet on on me and also on you. You know, I've been a fan of yours. I never got a chance to meet you until we were standing uh, near a rocket ship (laughs) that was about to go off. Bezos goes up in a rocket ship, comes back down and hands us a hundred million dollars to do good stuff with. Talk talk a little bit about how that uh, impacted you and your world. What was good? What was bad? What was unexpected? Let's just talk about the the elephant in the room. We both got a a big shot in the arm here recently.
3: Uh, It's been, in many ways, it's been a blessing. I'm still trying to think very quickly because there's plenty of need. But I'm trying to make sure that that money multiplies. That's right. I'm trying to make sure that uh, I show them, like people like you and, and I, that we are very much in the communities we listen to other people. At the end, I believe that Jeff has to be used a, a piece of him reaching more places. Uh, he has plenty of things that he can be doing the donation on his own and not doing it through through two friends. But for me, it's been it's been obviously a blessing. It's been a little bit also of a big hiccup because now uh, everybody is almost like knocking on my door. Uh, but for me, it's very clear that I want that money to multiply. And then certain issues for me are very important. We are never gonna end hunger and poverty if we don't give clean cooking to every person in the world. Three billion people cook with charcoal or wood around the world, mainly women. We will not end hunger and poverty until we don't give every one of those families the same opportunity that you and I, we have to feed our families, where energy, it takes us one second to get it, versus them that sometimes it takes them hours walking in the forest to gather the wood before they even began cooking. And listen, food is important. We know in America we have food deserts. What can we do to announce that in the next 20 years, food deserts will be something of the past in America. And we need to do this in partnership with the government, NGOs, private sector, to make sure that in America, once and for all, in the richest country in the history of mankind, Every mother, coming back to work, the simple act of feeding their children, is not something like takes away whatever energy they had left inside them, and and I hope I'll do a good job on behalf, especially women and especially of the of the many people that need that money, to to do good.
1: Uh, what I most like is that Bezos has his ten billion dollar climate fund, and you mentioned that you that you can't. Solve the climate problem without making sure that people can cook uh, w- with clean energy—that's a whole revolution itself. To make sure that people, the three billion who are at the bottom of the economic ladder, if they can cook with clean energy, now you're changing the way we feed our 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 our, our human beings, but we're also changing the way that we're impacting the ecology as well.
3: And how are you gonna do it? How is gonna be your civility Award? How is this this how has been this process for you so far? and what is to come. I think everybody uh, is asking you and is asking me like, what, well, what's gonna happen? Because I think they are expecting a lot from us and I know you want to deliver, uh, but not because what people will expect from you, but that people that really need you to be successful.
1: Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think um, very much like you, I feel like it's a big opportunity to try some new things One of the challenges when you're a do-gooder, most people see me as a guy who's been on TV, you know, making commentary. They don't understand. You see me sitting next to Anderson Cooper for five minutes, you know, on the nightly news. The other 23 hours a day, (laughs) I wasn't sitting next to Anderson Cooper. I was out there doing other things, mainly working with not-for-profit organizations, community organizations, people behind bars, uh, trying to get something positive done, often with very few resources. And I want to take that work to the next level now. I think the entire incarceration industry uh, should be disrupted in the same way that Jeff Bezos disrupted the bookstores, the same way that Airbnb disrupted hotels. The incarceration industry is an industry that should be disrupted, too. It's it's based on a 17th century technology called Dungeons. I mean, they haven't upgraded that thing since the 17th century. They waste so much money. They hurt so many people. Nobody likes what comes out of prisons. The Cops don't like it. The community doesn't like it. The people themselves don't like it because often they come out bitter and not better. And we spent a lot of money in the meantime that didn't help. So I, I want to I take on the challenge of, of reimagining that whole system. It would be very hard to take on, say, the fossil fuel industry if you didn't have solar power. If you take on an, an industry that's a bad industry or an industry that has a lot of downsides to it, well, if you don't have an alternative, people, people they, they don't know what to do. I think for too long, we've been saying we, we don't like prisons, but we haven't said what we do like. We haven't said, how would you spend that that thirty to $50,000 per year per person? How would you spend that $100,000 per year per kid who's locked up? What would you do that would be better? And then how do we compete and innovate and that kind of thing? So I'm, I'm really focused on, on that. And uh, luckily, I'm led in my work, much like you, by the people who are locked up and the people who've, who've come out recently, the Dream Corps has the biggest bipartisan grassroots network of people who are formerly incarcerated in the country, and if we can get behind some of these great leaders with great ideas and back them up with capital and back them up with access, I think we can we can uh, disrupt that that industry. That's the main thing in my heart. We'll do other things. I think that's important. You know that people who um, have been on the ground for a while get bigger bets.
3: Maybe twenty twenty five years from now, we'll look back uh, and we'll say how how that moment changed our lives. Maybe that moment that you and I we became. We became friends, even I feel we were already friends even without knowing each other. And and that hopefully we will say, you know, let's be critics with ourselves. This is what we did well, this is what we didn't do so well, but I do believe life is about that. If you stay in your home and in your sofa, nothing will ever happen. But if you are out there with boots on the ground, next to the people, at the very least, you can say that you did it better or worse, but at least you learn how to listen to the people, be next to the people, and make sure that every one of our actions helps create a better tomorrow.
1: Well, look, man, uh, amen, amen, amen. You, you are, um, you know, you're a world treasure, and, and I think uh, just getting started even after 35 years. I, I think for me, what I admire about you the most isn't just that you cross these borders in terms of race and, and countries and stuff like that. It's just the borders of expectation. What people expect from a cook, from a celebrity, from a chef is too small. You're showing that all of us in our lives, whatever you are, if you're a teacher, if you're a preacher, if you're whoever you are, a parent, if you're a student, our expectations for what we can contribute are too small. And the need out there and the opportunity out there is so great. And uh, I just cannot tell you how much I appreciate getting a chance to be on this road with you and for you to be one of the first guests on my podcast and let's stay together. Let's, let's, a year from now, let's get back together and, and figure out uh, what we learned. And I love hearing all the stuff that we got right and all the stuff that we got wrong. Because when you're out here really doing this stuff, it's always a little, a little bit of both. Um, and that makes a, that makes for a, a, good, a good life and a good life story and good company, which I have in you. And I appreciate you, brother.
3: Thank you, my friend. See you soon.
1: We see the beauty of hope. That spirit is so
0: beautiful. Those who become American citizens love this country even more, and that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts
2: her lamp to welcome them to the Golden Door.
1: All right, so you can see why Jeff Bezos wanted to give this brother a hundred million dollars. I see Chef Jose is like a secular saint out there giving loaves and fishes to the masses That's, I put him at that level what I really love the most about him is that he is on the ground and I honestly I miss that about my own life you know when I first started out 25 years ago I was deeply embedded in the Bay Area in Oakland you know tough neighborhoods I was going door to door I was knocking on doors I was in community centers I was in youth centers I knew at a granular level every problem every problem I had a story for everything that I was fighting for that was personal to me. And, you know, over time I helped to run organizations and they've got organizers and all these people, they do all that stuff. But a lot of times, honestly, I'm I'm at the board level. I'm you know, I'm I'm coming in for the annual event. I'm not in the community the way that I used to be. And what I'm taking away from my conversation with Jose is before I give away any of this money. I want to get reconnected. I want to get back in the community. I want to sit down with people. I want to listen to people. And I hope to be able to bring you along with me for a bunch of those conversations. A few things stood out to me in this conversation. Number one, his famous quote, which is, instead of building higher walls, we need to build longer tables. I I mean, to me, that is that you can't sum up what I think it's all about better than that. But what's key to me about what he said is the reasoning. It's not just egalitarian. It's also pragmatic. You protect your own family by helping other people's families. It's in our own best interest to make sure other people are okay. And I think a lot of times people look at us kind of bridge builder types. Oh, you guys are so woo woo and touchy feely and kumbaya. And yeah, we are. (laughs) But there's a hard headed realism underneath all that stuff. The more your neighbors got what she needs, the less likely is she's going to come and take what you've got. You know, the best way to defeat an enemy is to turn that enemy into a friend. And you know, I just think he's such a great example of that. The other thing that he said was his quote from Robert Egger. Philanthropy has been about the redemption of the giver when it should be about the liberation of the receiver. I mean, again, that's the nail right on the head. Both of us now are in positions to be the philanthropists, to do the giving. It's easy to give money in a way that you know, actually disempowers people, it's hard to give money away in a way that empowers people. And then lastly, he talked about, if I can feed people in good times, why can I not put my talents to use and feed people in bad times? I mean, another arrow right in the center of my heart. And I think too few of us think that way. I think we all have a lot more to offer than we recognize, especially in hard times. You know, he could have just said, look, I'm a cook. What can I do? He said, I'm a cook. Food and water are essential in a crisis. I'm going to go help. I think that's a great challenge for all of us. You know, what do you have to offer? What is your gift? What's your talent? What's your profession? I guarantee you, whatever it is, it's sorely needed by somebody. And one of the ways we can heal a bunch of these divisions is not just through political alliances and, and, and rhetoric and that type of stuff. It's just practical acts of kindness and generosity across these divides help somebody who doesn't look like you pray like you or vote like you or get somebody who's from a different background to help you help somebody else i think that's going to go a longer way toward healing this country than anything else and we can all do more of that and there's no better example of anybody doing that anywhere in the world than chef jose andres Uncommon Ground with Van Jones is an Amazon original production. It's produced by Magic Labs Media and Wonder Media Network. Our producers are Teddy Alexander, Maisha Dyson, Grace Lynch, Sundu Hassan, and Adesawa Agbonile. Our managing producers are Lauren D. and Eliza Mills. Our executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and Morgan Jones. Our theme music was composed by The Grand Mess. Publicity for the show is led by Alice Zoe. Andy Lichtenfeld, Didier Moraes, and Chantel Muentes. Special thanks to Jana Carter, Taylor Williamson, Seven McDonald, Drew Schwindemann, Eric Carter, Trevor McNeil, carrie McCarron, Joe McMillan, Steph Walkneen, Vanessa Rebert, Ty Jacobson, Marshall Leewee, and Chris
0: Jackman. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey